begin. Attention. The movie guys love movies. Any jokes about the Fat Jews Comedy Central pilot being canceled were probably already made by other comedians. Isn't that right? Matt Besser, Patrick Walsh, Kevin Farzad, Stephen Steele, Ben Rosen, Logan Paul, Louise Thompson, okay, okay. Like, like, Ben, <laughs> Devon Meg. I have to stop this. We can't go on. It's just there's the fact that he stole from Logan Paul. Do we know who Logan Paul is? We do now. He's all beefcakey Twitter guy. Is he big? He's well. He's huge. Like, he's got, no, is he like uh, popular wise? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. And he's physically imposing. I right. saw him in the airport. Because I think he would count on you not knowing who he is, so he could then steal the oh, show. Yeah, but no, Logan Paul is like uh, like any any tween girl is in love with Logan Paul. Let me explain for those of you out there. There's a yeah, Twitter handle. Too. It's called. Explain for those who are out there, or those who have been in Ohio for two weeks, <laughs> yeah, I'm where they don't guns. get the internet. Yeah. <laughs> At the Fat Jew is a Twitter handle, and it's uh, you know. Uh, oh, by the way, friend of the show Michael Gelbart. Uh, Posted something to the effect of, you know what? Everyone's real sensitive to these jokes, but no one has no one has a problem typing "fat, fat Jew, Jew" every day, you know, <laughs> in a hundred different articles. Uh, but anyway, uh, Josh Ostrovsky, I think his name is, and the guys really come under fire for stealing jokes and getting signing with CAA for the quality of his jokes and getting his Comedy Central pilot for the quality of his jokes. Many of which now we're finding out were not his. Many, I think all. Yeah, I don't think the man ever. And have you seen a photo of him, Adam? No. You probably have. He just looks obnoxious. Oh, I'm looking. He now. just <laughs> that guy. It, it's I just look at me. Seconds. You've been in Hollywood long enough. Yeah. It's that guy. Oh, it's There's so that, that guy. guy. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. so everything's going away now. The pilot's gone. The, the people are. I'd be real un- nervous following. if I faked my way all the way up to that. That's, yeah. that's why we're the best. <laughs> yeah, we're working diligently with our own crap. I took to this from somewhere. the internet. They'll never find it there. Yeah, they'll never find it there. The likes of Andy Richter and other people were tweeting like, "This don't worry about it, because guys who get there like yeah. this don't yeah. hang around." Uh, yeah, no, yeah, well, because you need, so be, you need to be able to be keep, keep that up. Yeah. Hey, welcome to the movie showcast, everybody. Part of the vast and sprawling movie guys empire. On the seventh day, the Lord rested, but before he did, he squatted over the side of England. <laughs> what came out of him was Ireland. No offense, son. <laughs> Gangs of New York. Oh, that's Gangs of New York. Okay. <laughs> I know before people go, keep wondering what you're right, quoting. I open the top. show with a quote from I a like movie. I like not knowing it. Didn't steal it. Have they all been uh, from Gangs of New York? <laughs> that's from Matt Gangs of New York. No. no. Okay. Uh, you've reached ground zero for all things movies and comedy. There we bring the two together right here on our show every week with jokes, rants, sketches, characters, banter, bits, special guests, and more as we broadcast from the Admirals Club in the heart of Burbank Airport's flyover zone. They don't stop making movies, so we don't stop making comedy shows about movies, which means you can get a new show every week at themovieguys.net, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Vimeo, YouTube, Player.fm, TuneIn.com. We're also on PodDirectory.com. Nice. We're out there, is what we're saying. <laughs> and I like free. to say we're sweeping the internet. We're at least Swiffering. <laughs> That's a Dane Cook joke. <laughs> we're at least mopping it. Now, we All encourage right. you to subscribe, especially at iTunes, share and like posts, rate us, leave a review. We appreciate it. And if you do, still no charge. Wow. Really, Paul? How much? No charge. Wow. Uh, and if you like your internet radio, we're on WBAD.net. Fridays at 4 p.m. and iRiseRadio.com noon on Fridays. Basically, just search the movie guys on Google, Yahoo, or... Bang! And we come right up. I'm your host for the hardest working comedy show in the airwaves, Paul Preston, here with Karen Volpe. You've got to try this poll! Bart Caius. One hears such music and one can only think Salieri. And Adam Witt. <laughs> I'm back, Mr. Luthor. 
<laughs> These are also from movies. Yes, yes. <laughs> More actually, so than ever. I'm actually back. That's a little autobiographical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, that's right. We have Adam back. And I if that back. wasn't enough, Adam, for you, our guest this week is the writer of Small Soldiers in the Dark Backward, as well as director of Detroit Rock City in The Chase. He's what? also the maker of I Giuseppe Makes yeah. a Movie. Yeah. Yes. Look, and a new film that's just had a run at the Arena Cinema in Hollywood shooting the Warwicks. Adam Rifkin will be Yay! there. He did all that? Yeah. That's, just a, that's a small sliver. One yeah. man yeah. did all of that. <laughs> and as ever, we've got you covered as far as new movies go. Previewing all that's new in theaters, including this week's new releases. Hitman, Agent 47, the sequel to the movie Hitman, previously nominated for least surprising movie of 2007 <laughs> to be turned into a franchise. Then, Facebook and Twilight get in trouble in American Ultra. And later in the show, Bagul is back in Sinister 2. I have something to show you. There are references to Bagul across all cultures. Really? Apparently. Some believe. Somebody Sumerian, not Babylonian. Oh, for the he was really big in, in, in Samaria. Bogeyman. Why do I play clips? You just yabber and over. Please. You can go to the internet and watch the whole yeah. thing. Okay. <laughs> We're like those we'll videos. I love that creepy kids music. Oh, the creepy kids music. So amazing. Oh, yeah. Was that original Bogey creepy man. kids music? I think that's it was. Yeah. That's well done. Yeah. Normally they take a pop song and creep it up, but that is one of their own. It's very nice. Yeah, it's super lively, and yeah. then they kill people. It's a snuff film, right? Well, so was Murder, She Wrote. Did you ever hear the music to that? It was like... It's a delightful romp of a tune, isn't it? And that's killing going on. Just killing. death every show. Right? God, that's a good point. Yeah. Let's finish up early. Sorry, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I think we reached a thesis yeah, right there. That's it. <laughs> and I want to give the show on that. I want to give the girl at Universal credit. I went on a tour one day and she did that joke. So I'm not going to take her joke. Oh, oh, I'm not taking her joke. I remember God, her saying something. Edge. Yeah. We're on edge. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know who she was, but I'm just saying. Let's get to some original material because yeah. the fat Jew <laughs> isn't the only big news out of Hollywood. Uh, there's oh, always no? movie news. There's too much sometimes, if you yes. ask me. But one big thing to come out of uh, Disney's Fan Fest D23 in Anaheim is that Disneyland in California and Disney World in Florida are both adding Star Wars-themed lands, lands to their parks. Wow. For real? Mm -hmm. Well, about a mm -hmm. month ago, wow. Disneyland bought a whole bunch of land around their park, and people went, wonder what's coming, and then they announced <laughs> like, it. So. Oh, what do they say? A new log acres? ride, I assume. <laughs> yeah. Really long one. Well, we'll th assume no longer, because the press releases have come out. And we have the uh, Hollywood reporters that oh, really? lay out all the details. Wow. You guys have your Hollywood reporter? Most, oh, sure. The sure, most sure. current I, edition? I believe I got the latest one here. Look at this, though. There is a story about Star Wars. Yeah, oh, well, let a, me hear about that. Give us a read of oh. what, what it says. Well, it looks like, it looks like they've outlined a few of the uh, the rides and what's oh, a little press release this here. This looks pretty good. Oh, it's called Lando's Lounge in Lando Land. Oh, Lando mm. Land. Oh, uh, it says here, this park is quite literally for children of all ages. Mm -hmm. After they drop the kids off at the Hoth Water Park, mom and dad can head on over to Lando's Lounge. Oh. Where they'll be wrapped in a world of crushed velvet. Mm. The prince of admission, price of admission includes a complimentary cape to wear while dancing the night away, doing the Calrissian hustle mm. under the smoke mm. machines of Cloud City. Mm. Oh, but don't get too comfortable, though, folks. Things are sure to end abruptly when the boyfriend and/or girlfriend of your special someone reveals that they've been lurking in the shadows the whole time. Oh. <gasps> You'll be swept off your feet, literally, and taken away and frozen in a vat of Colt 45. Sounds That's good. Lando's Lounge. It works every time. 
Oh, I want to go. Sounds lovely. Sounds, you know, I, Cloud City's got to be a great place to party because that is just one big fog machine. That's right. right. <laughs> yeah. That is a fog machine of a city. I love we have such a drought here. Hoth is now a water park. <laughs> <laughs> That's one hard water park. Hey, you can also visit yeah. the Lucasfilm Licensing Factory. Oh, oh I've always fun. wanted to do that. A 360 degree full sensory 3D ride through the mind of George Lucas. Oh, wow. <laughs> You'll ride the rails of thought as an idea strikes, <laughs> sending you down the neural pathways of one of America's favorite idea getters. <laughs> You'll patent and license the idea, then experience one of five endings. Reboots, re-releases, renames, and/or rebrands. Mm, those are some good ideas. Yeah. The be... ride never ends. Really. <laughs> it's cool. It just cool. goes around Lots of twists and around. And around. It gets re-released. The whole yeah. ride gets re-released. Yeah. It's just over, over and over. Most again. end in a gift shop. Oh. His ride ends at the beginning of the ride again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, now this is this is I think where I would go. Is the what is it? Oh, I see this. The, the next one here. The yeah. clone brothel, where you can fuck a clone or kill it. Doesn't matter. It's not even a person. Look at this. For a premium add-on to your regular park ticket, you will legally be allowed to do whatever you want to another human being without consequences. Hmm. I mean, they're just going to crush him at the end of the night, so, you know, you might as well try for the butthole. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. I just made it. Wow. I th- almost I th- made it. I thought Lando's amazing. Lounge was risky. <laughs> That's pretty wow. You know, you bring up a good point, though. It is just a clone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You can do whatever you want with it. Yeah. Yeah. At, at the clone want. brothel. Mm-hmm. That's I'm excited about. That. I would probably want at least my the concept art. I'm excited about the concept. <laughs> Four all the, tickets, yeah, all Struzan and McQuarrie stuff. I would like my clone to like drive the car for me, but whatever. Yeah. Then there's the maybe Star Trek land. Ooh, I don't know. Oh, for those okay. who really can't tell the difference between any of these things, oh. it's a good place for Grandpa to stay while the kids are having fun in the park. So, mm. so a guy, right? He comes to your table, and there's a a Jawar. I don't even know. Maybe a Gordon. I have something, uh, Goron. Anyway, whatever. On the menu, you, he comes to your table. So on the menu, which looks kind of like the Enterprise, or maybe it's some sort of plain starfighter thing. But the oh. point is, there are themed drinks so that Grandpa can take some time away from the park and enjoy the, um, oh, that guy from the other, the day the Earth, come on, Bart, help me. The day the Earth stood still. The, that guy. Uh, All right, that's yes. the whole, that's the bit. You know, is over. what? I'm just saying. That sounds like something Grandpa Caius would enjoy. I think he would, actually. For the love of God, let's get to our first film. Oh, yeah. Let's let's, let's throw some facts at the audience. For our first film, are you tired of movies with all of those slacker hitmen? Finally, here comes the movie that features one that's the best of the best. The best of the best, you say? Yes. Well, finally. Right? It's Hitman Agent 47. Bart, let's tell the people what it is all about. Here comes the movie that begs the question, is it called a reboot or a remake if nobody gives a shit about the original? Isn't that right, L.A. Takedown? You're wrong. What do you mean? It's not double the risk. It's four times the risk. Because if something happens to him, I'm coming for you. And I am double the worst trouble you ever thought of. (laughs) Double the worst trouble. I was told there would be no math. All right, now Hitman Agent 47. Oh, wait a second. <gasps> no, what happened? Oh, you know what that means? No. Yes, I do. We're putting a joke out to pasture. Oh, oh. yeah. Yes. Oh, it's sad to see one go, but it's time to say goodbye to this joke. Oh, yeah. So here it is for the last time. Hitman Agent 47. Guess I missed the first 46 Hitman Agent movies. Good. Well, it, it served it. Served us well. That right, joke goes done. back to Malcolm 10. I didn't see the first nine. I think that's when that one started. <laughs> that's so. that long ago. So we're talking an old ass joke. Gone. Hitman 47. Elaborate car chases, gunfights, and amazing hand to hand combat, all augmented with cool high tech spy gadgetry. Mm-hmm. It's like Jason Bourne meets Jack Reacher meets James Bond, mm-hmm. except 
without the humility of Matt Damon, the charm of Tom Cruise, and the class of Daniel Craig. So, this ought to be a movie that's out in theaters. More than anything, it's like the Bourne movies, because Agent 47 is an assassin designed to be the ultimate killing machine who comes to confront mm. the truth about his own origins. And things get even more complicated, or at least more plotty, when he comes across Agent 46, or 32, or 21, or something. Do you remember the day they took you? We were part of the same program. They want what's inside our DNA. I'm with you. We're the same, you and me. We're the same, don't you see? Second half of that might have been falling down. Might have been. I was yeah. just gonna say that's different. He's not just good at killing people. He's genetically engineered by a non-government agency to be the best at it. Much like I was genetically engineered to point out the nightmare on Elm Street house when I'm driving around L.A. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What are you genetically engineered to do, Adam? I'm genetically engineered to point out every lethal weapon location. I can name all of them. Yes. There's even uh, there's a, the Emser Tile building in West Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. That's the one he jumps off of. Yeah. I quote that every time I walk. That bridge is over there that he runs across with the machine. That bridge next to the exterminator sign over on uh, Beverly and and uh, you know uh, near Vermontish. That alley that's not there there. that the car comes out of at the end (laughs) and explodes and tips upside down. But that's Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. Point that. That is Hollywood Boulevard. I am genetically engineered to save doggies on the street if they need it or not. That's true. I helped a a doggy yesterday who was just going for a walk. He just walked out of his front he door. He just said, screw it. Yeah, and I saw him walking down the sidewalk. I'm like, he can't possibly know <laughs> what he's doing. It. So I pulled over and I went up to him. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, okay. And he turned around and walked two blocks back and went to a house and walked in the front door. Well, he was busted. He's like, oh, man. <laughs> and I followed him in. And the guy in the couch is like, what's going on? I'm like, Wait, I you followed him into the house? Yeah. Well, and there's I a guy on the couch? Just sitting there. Apparently. Karen, you broke and entered into a no, home. No, I walked in, and I'm like, hey, your dog was on the street. He's well, like, thank you so much. <laughs> it's a power. He just walks right and in, and people he was, like, okay. uh, He said, thank you. I'll shut the door. Apparently, people can go in and out of the door. Dogs, people, <laughs> they just leave it open, so screw them. <laughs> Hitman is based on a video game. You know, that video game where you shoot people. You know, that one where you carry two guns, and you do all kinds of crazy acrobatics while blowing people's heads off. Okay, maybe they overpaid for the rights, because I'm pretty sure you can just make that movie. <laughs> In a change that everyone is sure not to notice, Timothy Oliphant has been replaced by Rupert Friend in the role of Agent 47. That's Rupert Friend. Friend. Mm-hmm. But, despite the many retreaded elements in this movie, it does offer one bit of seemingly uh, original material. A new trailer sound effect Ooh. that we oh. can induct into the Hall of Bong. <gasps> That's uh, what is it? It's, a pretty good it's pretty exciting. Oh, the Hall of Bong. Exciting! All the great trailer sound effects end up in the Hall of Bong eventually. And welcome to the Hall of Bong sound effect from Hitman Agent 47. You are now legendary and can take your place alongside other classic trailer sound effects like this one. Ooh, what's that one from? Remember this one from uh, the, uh, the the Dinobots? Oh yeah. <laughs> and the recently inaugurated this one, it's a when a Terminator and Terminator oh. Genesis mm-hmm. yeah. would regenerate. Ah. Wow. That's a good That's one. why they're in the hall. Yeah. That's, they're the best. So let's hear what people are in store for in Hitman Agent 47's trailer. Ooh. Ooh, that's a good <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood, uh, and this uh, sounded very familiar to us, so we had our experts at the Movie Guys Labs analyze this, and we discovered it's a hybrid of the 1985 Loverboy song, Lovin' Every Minute of It. Take a listen. And this sound from the Sanford and Son theme. (laughs) I think you put them together and you get this. (laughs) 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 
crack the formula. <laughs> you are a lunatic. But it's all the labs. They send right. me the material. I read it on the air. I love that. Now, oh by the God. end of the trailer, he's bound to have a catchphrase. I mean, it is an action movie after all. So, Paul, let's hear what he's got. All right. I always close my contracts. I'm not sure how threatening a catchphrase is. It's already been used in Glengarry Glen Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Look, say what you will about this movie, but when it's over, I assure you, you will want to go out and buy an Audi. There you go. Product it's a giant Audi commercial. <laughs> it is a great Audi commercial. <laughs> you ever drive an Audi? Uh, I've stood next to one. Yeah. Yes. Are they that hard to come yeah. by? No, I've actually driven an Audi. Oh, yes? Yeah. They, I was thinking about buying one. They hug the road from what I hear. Um, like they're on rails, people yeah, tell me. Yeah, that's what I, I hear. went to Europe, hmm. you know what they gave me? Smart car. <laughs> I thought I'd get an Audi or something, no. you know. You fit in a smart car? We did. The Europeans. When you back up like this, and you, you, know, you put your arm on this, your elbow hits the back window of the car. Because <laughs> it goes straight down from there. As Jake Johansson said, it's yes. the what kind of car you can reach out and tune up yourself from the driver's seat. <laughs> you can reach under the hood. You really can. Uh, Give it a tune-up. Yeah, you can. Um, you know how sometimes in cars, if well, back home when there would be snow and stuff, and you'd mm -hmm. let the windshield wiper go, and you'd be driving, and you'd be hitting the windshield uh, wiper? Yeah. We have all done it. We shouldn't, but we do. You can easily do that in this car. We it, have... I'm sorry. Go ahead. But we have deep referenced, and I would feel uh, not right if we didn't explain exactly what LA Takedown is. Oh, oh. yeah, good point. That was hysterical. That's, that's rather obscure. I love that you found a line from that. Yeah. Though. Yeah. LA Takedown is what became Heat. Michael Mann wrote. L.A. Takedown, and it's the same script with ex with a couple changes, I guess. I don't remember that one being delivered by De Niro or uh, Al Pacino. A few very important changes. But yeah, he remade it as Heat, but it was originally a TV movie, L.A. Wow. Takedown. He did a lot of TV movies around the time of Miami Vice. It's probably like 86 or something, I think, 86, 87. It's actually like eight times the danger when you carry the one, because I'm four <laughs> times the trouble, and he's twice as bad. What? <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. That was really, I like that. Now I've got half a mind. <laughs> i got half a mind to give you a twice of reckoning. You should go as Hitman for Halloween. Yeah. I, I, I he saw has your that. hair. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Because all bald guys look alike. Whatever baldists. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Right. But by the way, if you want to just yeah, I can't tell any of you guys apart. <laughs> <laughs> if you just want to go easy, I mean, suit, barcode, yeah, yeah. yeah. costume. That's true. You know, you That's the barcode. I think that might be it. Yeah. Like the guy who goes as a Geiger. You got to put gloves on. Got to put gloves on. You got to put gloves on. Oh yeah. But I can't carry guns around. I mean, remember when carry rubber chickens. With a, with a pink tip? Yeah. yeah. As long yeah. as you have that bright tip on so it. But no, I just remembered as a kid, you could carry guns around oh, as, yeah. a, as a costume. Oh, yeah. Now you can't do that. You're going to get shot. Especially if you're going to go to West Hollywood, these do not carry a guns. A couple massacres spoils everything. Uh, Are you guys, anyone going to see this at this table? No. Yeah. Even when though I have on? Movie Pass, I might not see oh, it. Oh, you know Movie Pass? I will. Yeah. All right. Because I did see the first one eventually. I kind of oh, wanted yeah? to. Because, well, it's a bad a guy. Anytime a guy carries two pistols and shoots people with it, I mean, I'm kind of in. Like, I'll, I'll, you know, <laughs> all right. Well, how bad could it be a guy very fires two guns at the same time, right? I'm sorry. But he's not, he's not a good guy, is he? That's the thing. That's he's a bad confusing. Guy. He seems like a bad guy, but then he seems like a good guy in a different trailer. Like he's uh, both, I didn't watch that trailer. Because you, know, you kind of root for him in the, right. in the trailer that we watched. I what thought. was he in the first one? Because you want to feel sympathetic to a guy who had no control over his life. He was built to be this machine, you know? It's born identity. I yeah. don't think that's pushed in the Timothy Oliphant one. I, th I don't think that they'd go the whole genetic engineering sci-fi thing as much. I don't seem to remember. It's more of like a Luc Besson movie because he meets a girl and he's supposed to be hitting people with two guns at the same time. <laughs> I but, have no problem with that. You know. Luc Besson, <laughs> but bring me a Luc Besson movie. Don't hit yeah. me. Please, don't hit me. <laughs> Next up is American Ultra. 
Karen, you and I can talk about it as it answers the burning question. What? I wonder what John Leguizamo has been up to lately. <laughs> Here we go. And what we're calling the Cheech Identity, <coughs> Jesse Eisenberg plays a perpetually stoned convenience store clerk who turns out to be a highly skilled sleeper agent mm-hmm. that is thrust into the middle of a deadly government operation. I'll watch any movie where someone is thrust into something. Stop that His life is turned upside down when one day a customer, who works for the CIA, comes in and utters a secret phrase that activates him and all his heretofore hidden training and abilities. Terry Progressive, listen. Mandelbrot set is in motion. Echo Choir has been breached. With as much pot as he and his friends have smoked, it's hard to imagine that he hasn't heard this said before at least a couple of times. <laughs> Remember when pot was heroin? Well, after Colorado and Washington State, it's just smokable beer. But we could at least rely on stoners to be disrespectable social suck-offs who contribute nothing to society. But now they fight crime, I, I guess. Well, how about this? Remember yeah. when pot was a thing you didn't even mention too loudly? Oosh. And it could ruin a presidential campaign. Mm-hmm. And when a celebrity mentioned they smoked pot, it made national news. Yes, I remember that was six years ago. Now, Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> continues on the on-again, off-again trend of casting seemingly unassuming actors in unexpected leads. You know, like Robert Downey Jr. in Iron Man. Yes. Or Chris Pratt in Guardians of the Galaxy. Or Adam Sandler in anything. They want Charlton Heston to play a Mexican. All this badassery by Jesse Eisenberg sure would have come in handy in Zombieland. I assume he teams up with several other sleeper agents to form a fighting team of a guy who drives really good when Uh he's drunk. Yep. A girl is totally going to start that online business when she's on coke. (laughs) Actually, Paul, actually he teams up with Kristen Stewart playing here, um... Kristen Stewart, an apathetic, sullen-eyed burnout, except they call her Phoebe in this movie for some reason. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And just when I'm struggling to take this movie seriously, Topher Grace shows up as someone in charge. <laughs> I'm surprised to report that this is not based on a comic book or a graphic novel. So, Bart, is this even a movie? No. Uh, well, some go. days we watch trailers to go, what were these people smoking? But it's pretty clear in this one. So, mm-hmm. My prediction, this is shit. What? Why? Because of one unassailable rule of movie marketing. What? No movie that advertises itself as fast-paced uh. and its marketing materials can be all that good. No. Hey, did you like Mission Impossible Rogue Nation? Do you feel it lived up to the, the pace it was advertised to have? <laughs> oh, it didn't advertise its pace? Well, it must have been slow then. <laughs> all right, hang on. I love movie rules. If it's advertised as fast Fast paced, it can't be that. You know what? It's just like an incredibly funny comedy or something like that. You don't want the comedy to say that it's a funny comedy. That nut shots. Any nut shots in the trailer? Not going to be a funny movie. Oh, well, that, the crotch shots? Yeah. The kids getting, kicking people in the balls? Yeah, well, you've just excluded a lot of movies from being funny. Every Adam Sandler trailer. I think I I saw Kristen Stewart smile, though. (gasps) Special effects. She looks like she's having fun. I, I welcome that. I think it'll be fun. I will movie pass this movie. I'll see this. For She's sure. having yeah. fun because she gets to show up and be Kristen Stewart for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they sort of look like they could be brother and sister in this movie. Uh, they have very similar features, similar hair. I think they're going it, out, right? He's doing it all for her. In the, oh, in that's the fun. Is there anyth- anything valid to finding a woman hotter when she smokes pot? Like, I remember Kristen Stewart. I've always thought she was pretty cute. <laughs> but then they got a picture back when back when it was so weird to someone smoke marijuana six right. years ago. And there was a thing of her. It's like her just sitting out on her stoop with a with a bowl. 
you know, smoking pot. And I was like, she's so much hotter. I don't know why that is. Is that like a hippie thing? Like, I like hippies? I don't know. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you have that in common. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's your superpower. Yeah. yeah. This is a fun concept. I'm going to see this. So there you go. It does actually look pretty fun, and it looks like he pulls it off as a as a capable. He's really good. I, mean, I remember I just saw the end of the tour with him and Jason Segel, mm-hmm. and he's really mm-hmm. good in that. And he's Lex Luthor. That is Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. I, what do you make of that superhero guy? Uh, I don't is that, know. Is that young casting or? Is I don't know. And he even has the thing in the trailer too, where he's like has all this like lofty stuff he's saying. The people who come from the sky, or I don't know. I can't remember all that weird stuff yeah, yeah. he's saying in the trailer. It's like. All right. I don't know. He's overplaying it a little bit, I guess. Oh, yeah. But, I don't know. Can you overplay Superman, Batman? Probably not. <laughs> 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 what would that even look like if you were playing? Well, Batman Robin, but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, get on to our final film here. When we last left Sinister, <gasps> it was doing what Blumhouse is best at, killing Ethan Hawke. Mm-hmm. Much like The Purge 2, Sinister 2 replaces him with an increased chance at profitability <laughs> in the casting of a guy... It's here somewhere. Let's see. Who, who is the, a, guy the guy? Oh, yes. James Ranson. Son. Uh, I would guess he was in the first one, and he'll have a bigger role here. Who? Yeah. Adam, you saw the first one, so let's talk about the sequel. Here we go. Sinister. <laughs> now, everyone is well aware to be leery of the movie that has too many writers. Hmm. But can the same be said for production companies? There are six different production companies credited with producing Sinister 2. Can that be a good thing? If horror has a name, it must be Blumhouse. Also, if the hapless sap who's getting fired at your office has a name, it's probably Blumhouse 2. Blumhouse Pictures, the makers of The Gallows, Mm. The Conjuring, Mm. The Purge, Mm. The Gift, Mm. The Visit, Mm. and the, the, The Biopic, has found a new location to light six feet at a time. What's scarier than a creepy little kid? Two creepy little kids! <laughs> After our lead character, Courtney, and her twin boys move into a rural home, the thinkable happens. They are haunted by an evil something or other, and he's called Bagul. Bless you. Hmm, thank you. He's a cruel satanic spirit that curses Sinister's 8mm snuff films. He's about 10% more effective than Beta Max. <laughs> The cursed Betamax tape that hasn't haunted anyone since 1995. <laughs> but with vinyl records opening up again, the future looks bright for haunting all kinds of hipsters. Oh, good. With the twins in place, Sinister 2 wastes a perfectly good opportunity to go with T-O-O instead of the number two in its title by introducing more characters that are sinister as well. Ooh. One of the twins finds some footage which has never in the history of recent movie making ever led to something good. Oh, hey, look. I found some footage of the cure for cancer. <laughs> Never find that. No. Now, I hasten to tell you the plot of Sinister One for fear that none of you will continue to listen to this. But check this shit out. <laughs> it is about a guy who finds footage, rendering the footage found. But he doesn't just find any found footage. No, he finds cursed found footage that confounds him to forever find unfound found footage. <gasps> that is not a movie so much as a master's thesis on being itself. So, this one should do that. <laughs> No but, uh, but again. No doubt it will. <laughs> Bagul is an evil deity, hell-bent, I tell you, on consuming the souls of children. <laughs> Outside of Adam's description, best we can tell, Bagul possesses little children, compels them to kill their family, and, uh-huh. is, and has them make a Super 8 movie of the murders. 
Then, when another child watches the home mo movie massacres, mm -hmm. their soul is consumed by Bagul, and they are compelled to kill their families, and the cycle continues. Bingo. We have mm -hmm. that right, Adam? Yeah. All right. That's it. Kind of like what happens to anyone who watches too much TMZ. Ah. <laughs> Except in this day and age, we suspect that all the mayhem will be recorded on their cell phones and then uploaded mm. to Facebook, where all their friends will immediately like the video but never watch it. <laughs> because really, we're all just a little tired of these pointless, inane videos everyone posts on Facebook. What, you don't like watching Dr. Marvin chase the hose and go after water? Our dog. Like, I didn't mean you, Karen. I just meant everyone else. Uh-huh. Good. <laughs> Bagul only appears in quick flashes in the trailer, but he looks like Glenn Danzig. You know, either one of them coming at me, I am scared shitless. <laughs> As in the first Sinister, the kids are influenced by Bagul, but they call him Mr. Boogie. Mm. Apparently, he teaches them the horrors of disco. That's right! Well, he has his own theme song. That's something, I guess. Truly, this is a work of fiction. You've got 21st century kids listening to old radios and watching films on ancient projectors instead of playing Toka Hair Salon 2 or Dr. Panda's Ice Cream Truck. <laughs> oh, that's the end. All right. There you go. I think anytime you say Dr. Panda's Ice Cream Truck, Dr. Panda, you're done. I, I that is a Blumhouse movie I'd watch, Dr. Panda's Ice Cream Truck. <laughs> yeah, I think I can explain crazy. to you why the kids are watching these old home movies and stuff, because... Out where that house is in the sticks is like where we grew up as kids. There's no internet out there. Yeah. So they can't really do any. I mean, even when I go to visit my brother, it's so sketchy. I wouldn't be able to watch that ice cream truck game. I would have to go back to Atari. They call him. Here comes the ice cream truck. Yeah. Street, right? You're picturing it? Clint Howard played the ice cream man in a straight to video movie from the 90s. He was the ice cream man. He was a killer in oh. a horror movie called The Ice Cream Man or something like that. Or Ice was Screams, something like he that. He just gives wow. you ice cream and then kills? Yeah, yeah. And the, the poster is like him in an ice cream truck and it's Clint Howard. And he's got a big ice cream <laughs> yeah, in the camera. You do not take ice cream from Clint No Howard. makeup, just Clint Howard. Just yes, Clint cream. Howard. Hand no in an ice makeup. cream cone. No, the Bagul sounds <laughs> like... creepy overalls? No, whatever he arrives in, just send him out there in the truck. Isn't that what Jerry, Jerry Lewis says? Bagul! Yeah, it sounds like right? Well, why do they call him Mr. Boogie? We used to play that game when we were kids. You like get, you pick your nose and Mr. Boogie coming yeah, at you. Mr. Boogie? Oh, I think it's Don't wipe Mr. Right. Boogie on That you. is a horror movie. Is that where the boogeyman comes from? Picking your nose? Picking your nose? Yeah. The boogeyman's That's not the boogeyman. Get you. I love the idea that there, there's a reference in here that Bagul has been referenced throughout history yeah. in every culture. Well, in the movie. In the movie. <laughs> but they find time to do a fart sound effect. Trailers are great Ooh. when they fart. No, really? Farting ghosts. Is That's that sinister? Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Well, remember it was in Ouija. It's like the same effect, right? Oh, yeah. Man. I'm fascinated with trailer sound effects, apparently. <laughs> so that that trailer sound effects is uh, different strokes and Duke's a hazard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Just your good old boys. <laughs> <laughs> Never mean we just saw the trailer for Goodnight Mommy, this uh, Australian that horror film that's coming out. That is going to be great. Horror film? Sounds horrific. Yes. And also it's with twins. With twins and something crazy happens. Oh my gosh, something happens to the mom. We don't know if she has surgery to have a new face put on or if she has a facelift or I don't know. The whole thing just starts where you hear the beep of the horn because she's coming home, mm -hmm. and the kids run in from the field where they're playing outside, not playing with video games or anything. Well, it is Australia. Right. <laughs> they come in, and they want to see her because they haven't seen her since she's gone to the hospital, and she's lying down, and they creep up to the bed, and she's just got bandages everywhere, and it's super creepy, and then she just walks around the house and can't really move because she's sore, and it's just super creepy, and I don't know what's going and on. And they're not sure if something more is It's not the Joan Rivers place. biopic? <laughs> 
Okay. It looks great. What's I, it called again? Good Night Mommy. Good night. So Good twins night. are in for Creep Factor. Yeah. And uh, the favorite. visit is M. Night Shyamalan and the Blumhouse guys. Uh, yeah. That looks awesomely creepy, but also kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. I never know what to make of Shyamalan anymore. I know, right? I, yeah. I hold out hope. He's got greatness yeah. in him, obviously. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll root for him. Sure. That's yeah, four. Yeah. They had four home runs in a row. It's good that he got back to something of his own and not some. Yeah. Uh, well, it's good that know. he matched up with Blumhouse. The, the Saw guys did the same thing. They started to get stale. They meet up with Blumhouse, and boom, they're making The Conjuring. They're making, you know, all kinds yep, of cool stuff. James Wan just directed another one of them too. Uh, the Insidious Three, I think, right? Yeah, or, or, or eh, something like that. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So and so, it's cool if they can do that with M Night Shyamalan. That'd be cool too. If, if, if that's just a place to go to sort of revitalize your career of somebody who's good anyway, but you know. Falling into a slump. Yeah, and you could get you could align yourself with something that's not a huge risk yet could be a huge hit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Smart choice for filmmakers. They don't cost much, and they make Whiplash every now and then, and they make the oh, Jinx. Oh, that's right. You know, they make the Jinx. You know, yeah. HBO. So listen, hmm. uh, enough of this nonsense. We have a guest waiting in the wings. The great and prolific Adam right Rifkin here. will join us right after ten seconds of break. Stay with us. <laughs> With our guest, who, as we mentioned before, is a screenwriter of such films as Small Soldiers, Underdog, and Mouse Hunt, director of the likes of The Dark Backward, Giuseppe Makes a Movie, and the and now available, Shooting the Warwicks. Yes. Adam Rifkin, everybody. Hello. 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 Small Soldiers. Yes. Refresh my memory, Mr. Preston or Mr. Rifkin. I'll say Joe Dante. Well, I can. Oh, Joe that, Dante. That's it. Okay. It's Toy Story, but with action. Yes, yes. Action Pr- pretty figures. much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. Before Toy Story. I wanted to make sure I was thinking of right. the No, same. not before was Toy Story. After Toy Story. Small Soldiers was interesting because it took the characters that were seemingly evil and made them sympathetic. That was the that was the gimmick. Yeah. That was it made the monsters the good guys and the soldiers the bad guys. Yeah. That was part of the fun. Yeah, how do you get something like? Did you like love Joe Dante growing up? Because I think everybody did. You know? No, the way that happened was I wrote a script on spec, which for those who don't know is you write it on your own and hope somebody will buy it, and uh, that was called Mouse Hunt, which you mentioned a second ago, yeah. and DreamWorks bought it, and they greenlit it, and then uh, after they greenlit it, Steven Spielberg called me into his office and pit- <laughs> pitched me Small Soldiers and asked me if I would be interested in writing it. Whoa! Wow! Good day. I said, uh, <laughs> I said, let me think about it. Yes, I'll do it. That's oh how it happened. It was pretty. It was pretty surreal. So that went to to film before Mouse Hunt. Did. No, Mouse Hunt was being made oh, while gotcha. I was writing Small Soldiers. And that was the early DreamWorks. I mean, they, uh, I think very early DreamWorks. Very yeah. early, yeah. yeah. Uh, In fact, Mouse Hunt was the first script they bought as a spec script. Wow. Yeah. Which is pretty exciting. How fun is that? You're you're, you're writing and, and you hear Spielberg's forming this company with Jeffrey Katzenberg and it was incredible. You're one of the first scripts they bought. It was incredible. Well, especially because it had just come off the worst professional experience I'd ever had. I was Ooh, I was fired <gasps> off directing a film called Barb Wire. Oh my you were god! Fired from Barb Wire. Yes, that's an honor. Oh my <laughs> god! Wait, what? What's the blondie that was? Yeah, uh, Pam Anderson. Pam Anderson. Oh 
and God. as I've said over and over again, you used to only get one superhero movie a year, and that year it was Barb Wire. That was your only option. You didn't oh. have four movies come out. You go see Barb Wire, and that's all you get. Well, I was the that's original amazing. director of Barb Wire, and, and what happened was I took the job because I thought I should, not because I felt passionate okay. about that. the project, yes. but it was a bigger budget than I'd ever had before, and I just felt that it was the next logical step, which is the wrong reason to exactly. ever make a decision <laughs> in you. Hollywood. Yes. But I took the job, and and uh, I got caught in the middle of a political battle between mm. Dark Horse Comics, who owned the character, mm -hmm. and uh, a company at the time that funded it called Propaganda. Oh. And uh, they they battled over the director, because Dark Horse hired me, and Polygram Propaganda wanted to hire one of their music video directors. But while w even though uh, uh, Dark Horse had already hired me, Polygram Propaganda had already hired a director of their own simultaneously, and it just became a big political nightmare. So I got hired and fired wow. right off that movie pretty quickly. And so all the people that were calling me to congratulate me for getting the job <laughs> when it was on the front page of Variety that I had exited due to creative differences then weren't returning my calls. So I just thought, well, the only way I'm going to get out of this hole, because everybody thinks that I'm, you know, a schmuck for being fired off a movie. I have to write myself out of this predicament. So I just went on a writing tear. I banged out three scripts that didn't sell, and then I wrote Mouse Hunt, and it did sell, uh, and it was uh, it changed everything. Steven Spielberg bought it. It was it, it was their first big movie. It was best thing that ever happened to me was getting fired off Barbed Wire. Mm. Wow. wow. Who'd they go with? The Russell Mulcahy or who? who? Yeah, uh, uh, directed Barbwire. God, uh, I, for, I forget his name. Antoine now. Fuqua. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, no, I, I, yeah. I forget his name now. I forget his name. Now, but that's an, I mean that to even be considered for that at that time. I know that I know that Mouse Hunt since your career. How did you even? Uh, what had built up to that so that you were even sort of considered for that? What did you um, sold the, or directed before? The that? reason I got that job was because it. Uh, I had directed a movie called The Dark Backward, okay. which had a very stylized look. And I had directed a movie called The Chase, which had a lot of action. Right. So the reason they hired me was because they wanted a movie with a stylized look that had a lot of action. And that's exactly what they said oh. is the reason they hired me. Huh. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And so then how, how does Dante come aboard of Small Soldiers? Because yeah. that's like a – now you're yeah, bringing a whole yeah. bunch of big players well, together. When I, when I was hired to write the script, there was not a director on board. But the logical choice was Joe Dante. And once it was greenlit, he was the first director that – Steven Spielberg approached and and Joe Dante of course said yes and it was you know one of the things that Spielberg said is he kind of wanted it to be a little bit like gremlins with toys mm. that's another reason why Joe Dante was the perfect choice mm. so it just kind of all came together it was exciting that's pretty cool where did you come from that the in terms of your creative world to uh, write scripts such as that. Did you, did you have a history of like family comedy? No, because we'll get to the part where suddenly your movies become uh -huh. kind of uh, well. The thing is, uniquely your own. Anybody who knows me knows that the idea of me being responsible for uh, influencing young children is 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 uh, is kind of an irresponsible thing on anybody anybody's part. But yeah. the, what happened was my my general tendency is to lean toward the darker, more you know, uh, uh, warped kind of stuff. But in the midst of going on this writing tear during the, you know, when I wrote Mouse Hunt, the first three scripts that I wrote that didn't sell were my, the usual kind of script that I, I would write. And then I, I, because I didn't sell them, I, I, I wanted to write something that I felt would be more quote unquote saleable. So I'm, uh, I'm a cartoonist kind of more as a hobby than anything else. And I sometimes look through my old doodle books for ideas when I'm looking for an idea to write as a script. 
And so I had an, a cartoon doodled in the corner of one page of two guys on a safari with a big pole slung over their shoulder. But instead of like a dead boar hanging from the pole, it was a mouse hanging from the pole. <laughs> and I just wrote under it, Mouse Hunt. And I thought, well, that could be a funny title for a movie. And I spent way too many uh, years watching cartoons as a kid growing up. So I thought, all right, well, what if I made a Tom and Jerry kind of live action movie mm -hmm. called Mouse Hunt and just literally had guys chasing a mouse for 90 minutes and, <laughs> and you know, falling down a lot. And uh, so I thought, no, that's too stupid. And a friend of mine said, no, you should write it because really stupid movies sell. <laughs> so that's why I wrote that. And when that sold and it was a high profile sale, suddenly I was on every list of writer of family movies. So that's why I wrote a lot of family movies. But that's not that's not where my instincts initially stem from. Well, Shooting know? Warworks is about a family. Yeah, it's very similar. <laughs> it, so, it is about a family. There you go. I think you're still staying in your... your, your you are correct. Your group you're a, there. Thank you. You guys, it's David Hogan. That's your director. David Hogan, that's from right. Barbed I never Wire. met him. I don't know, yeah, David Hogan. I don't know the name. Don't know the Maybe name. the Junot's Wark of the 90s. <clears throat> Perhaps. And so how, you know how many times have you been in Steven Spielberg's office since then? Um, since this Mouse since, on Small Soldiers he, yeah, days? Yeah, since he called you in and said, young man... That was it. Okay. I mean, uh, how do you prepare for such <laughs> yeah. a thing? How do you not lose your mind? You know, on the other side of that door is Steven Spielberg. Yeah. How does that? <laughs> I'll tell you. Seriously. I'll tell you. It's uh, interesting is because he's smoking a cigar. He's super <laughs> down to earth and really nice and smart and funny. And before the meeting, they prep you because oh. they know you're nervous. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good. Okay. So they sit you down. They say, hand okay. you a diaper. <laughs> say, Here's they say, okay, look. You're going to shit yourself. There you go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they, say, they say, all right. Throw up over He's here. got a lot of ideas. Don't think just because it's him, you have to like every one of them. Oh, wow. you, you, can be, you can be honest with him. You can go back and forth with him. Wow. And they say, and, and don't be nervous when he walks in uh, you know, about this. I mean, they really just prep. They get you ready. For how to, I there love will, that. there but, will be a light glowing around. By him. the way, by the way, that makes you more nervous. Of course. But then he walks in, and immediately you are put at ease because he's just so. Because he's like earth. five two, right? He. <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. He's like, down to earth, he's not very, because he's, he's short. He's very down to earth. He, he, he knows every movie, so suddenly you're talking about movies, and and uh, oh. he's making references to cool, obscure movies, and he's mm. just a, and he's very funny, which you might not think, but it's true. That's and awesome. Yeah, he's, he was just really nice. Are we talking about the things that we were uh, skilled at earlier, like a Hitman Forty Seven, mm -hmm. genetically disposed? I talk. I I will when I got nothing, or when I just want to start. I always go to movies. Hey, what's course. your favorite movie of all time? Then we're off to the whole thing. You know? Oh, I'm you supposed to. I'm supposed to prepare for that question. Yes. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Another I question for you that we started in the living room too. I got to write that down. Oh, but um, <laughs> so now it seems like you have now launched into a different kind of movie that is your signature film. Yeah. So you made a change. You, you've just, so, so we were just talking about big pop action, uh, you know, big popcorn movies, uh, uh, tent poles. But you have auteured it up. You have you have found your own style in this you little budget stuff. Well, I'll tell you, I've been very lucky in that I've actually been able to do both for for a long time. I get to I get to write studio movies, and those are fun, and it's great to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. But those afford me the freedom to get to make the movies as a filmmaker yep. that I'm really passionate like about. Like John Cassavetes. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's the dream right there. That's the dream. Awesome. And so that's why and so I feel really fortunate that I've been able to do it like that. So uh, 
as before Mouse Hunt, I got to make, you know, some small, you know, passion projects. But that's all I was doing, and you and you can't. It's you, you don't make any money doing yeah, movies yeah, like that. Exactly. So yeah. so Mouse Hunt was kind of the um, the uh, the the line that I was able to cross that mm. got me into being able to write bigger movies that afforded me the freedom to be able to make more passion projects. I think it's what everybody wants. Yeah. yeah. And I think everyone, yeah. every artist or actor, or filmmaker, or anything tries to achieve that even on a small level. Like I, I, you mentioned that, I'm like, yeah, I started my own production company and I do like events and things, but I do that because now I have the equipment to shoot short films or something on Absolutely. the side. So whatever level you're at, I think everyone strives to do that, so good on you, man, Thank for you. making that happen. Thank you. Yeah. Now, so, uh, now I, the, the time I had heard your name, well, I, we have a mutual friend, so I heard Small Soldiers and I, and I know that name. And also, curiously, at the same time, there was a TV show called Action. <laughs> and there was a character in there named Adam Rafkin. And I knew at the time there was an Adam Rifkin. And I w always wondered what that was a specific nod to. Is that you? Yes. Ah, you're right. That's that is awesome. amazing. Here's, here's the story behind oh, that. That is a awesome. genius show. That's the old Jay Moore. Uh, Jay yeah, Moore. Like Joel oh. Silver produced. Yeah, it was a great show. Here's, this, here's my side of the story of that. Please. <laughs> so I heard from somebody that saw an advanced screening of the pilot that my that I'm referenced in the pilot of this show action and I thought why would that be why yeah this, this is weird so I see the pilot and the whole plot of the pilot script revolves around the fact that the producer needs a writer for something and there's an mm -hmm. Adam Rafkin and an Alan Rifkin <laughs> and he, he hires one of them and he finds out that he hired the wrong Jew that's the joke because uh. one of them is like a sitcom writer one of them is a film writer they accidentally uh. hired the sitcom writer instead of the film writer so Everybody's calling me after they saw that. You know, what's going on with that? So the, the name of the showrunner, uh, producer, uh, Chris Thompson was his name. Okay. I, believe, I believe he recently died. I didn't know him. You are correct. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, Barry Katz's podcast replayed the, 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 that episode. Okay. Okay. It, yeah. So anyway, I called the production office and I said, this, the assistant answered the phone, Chris Thompson's office. I said, yes, this is... Adam Rifkin <laughs> calling for Chris Thompson. And there was a pause and she went, uh-oh, hold on. <laughs> so he comes on the phone laughing. Right? And uh, he said, I've been waiting for this call for six months. Uh, I said, I said, that is the most inside joke. I said, my mom and me, we think it's funny, but I don't know who else would get that joke. I said, what? possessed you to make that joke in your pilot episode. He said, I have no idea. At three in the morning, I just thought it was funny. I knew who you were. <laughs> and I also knew, he, he also, uh, uh, Alan Rafkin was a big television director in the like, 60s. Okay. And so he just thought that was funny. And there's other people with a similar name to me. Adam Resnick and I get often mistaken for one another. Mm -hmm. Adam Rip, who's a producer, and I often get mistaken for one another. So he just thought that was funny. Ron Rifkin? Ron Rifkin, I'm often asked if, oh, uh, who, uh, uh, Arnold Rifkin used to be a big agent and now is a, a manager. He and I were mistaken for father and son quite often. 
and I said, no, that's not true, because if I was his son, I'd be much farther in my career. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, there's a lot of people with a similar name. So wait, so you, your mother, and Adam all enjoyed that yes, joke. Yes, I do, because I, I knew it was a real <laughs> reference, and, I, and I, I didn't know at the time. I'm like, is this a famous writer? I know they're referring to a name I've heard. because That's it was just awesome. A, and for me, you are the right Jew. So thank you, exactly. thank you. I'm going to start a Twitter handle called The Wrong Jew, and then I'm going to do and all your steal jokes. steal all his jokes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Take that, Orstrovsky. That's and, right. And be- best line from action, because it was produced Uh-oh. by Joel Silver, is uh, Jay Moore's trying to get into a restaurant, and someone is ta- and Joel, Joel Silver is taking his table, and they go, uh, they go, well, we've got to give it to, the, to, to Joel Silver. I mean, he's the producer of uh, Lethal Weapon. He goes, he's also the producer of Xanadu. Give me that table. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the Project Center more current. All right, yes. Uh, yes. Now, Adam Witt here at our table told me that, and I, I have yet to see this, but I should see a film called Look. Please do. Uh, and, and Adam's describing it as kind of your your uh, signature piece, perhaps. Uh, what, what? I, uh, you, I, I looked it up since a great, very unique, uh, <laughs> very unique way to tell stories. So tell us. Look, uh, I, I'm flattered at the idea that I have a signature piece. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very proud of the film. I mean, the, the uh, idea behind Look is that it is entirely shot with surveillance cameras. So uh, oh, cool. it follows about four or five interweaving storylines, all of them told from the perspective of all the hundreds of cameras yeah. we are all in front of every day, right. all day, without even thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, ATM and the street and the and convenience the gas store. Station. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere you go. So, um, so, the, so that movie we made uh, turned out great, uh, <coughs> did really well, uh, won uh, some awards, and it was just, uh, it turned, and I'm really proud of it. And then that spawned a series based on it for Showtime called Look the Series, which is a similar kind of thing. But then the series brought in um, cell phone cameras and webcams, and it took it to the next level, you know. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. But it's please check out the movie Look. Please I do. want to. Yeah, I didn't have enough time to it's, get to It's get to available that. on. Uh, disc and it's also available on iTunes. All right, cool. And then uh, Giuseppe makes a movie. Giuseppe makes a movie is the Amazing. is the is my first documentary and that came out earlier this year. And if I may be so bold yes. as to say be so bold. Uh, I never took stock in um, anything uh, related to rotten tomatoes. You know, I, I just I always I always uh, poo-pooed the idea of Rotten Tomatoes until, of course, Giuseppe makes a movie. Got and a, they love got, it. Got a hundred percent rating. Yeah. Oh, wow. uh, then I, now I think Rotten Tomatoes has really got it figured out. <laughs> so <laughs> using vegetables to rate quality That's of a right. movie. That's right. Not such a bad thing. Um, but Giuseppe makes a movie is a documentary about Giuseppe Andrews, who was a child actor, and I met him initially because he's in a movie I directed called Detroit Rock City. Good movie. As a thank you, as a <laughs> he, as a teenage uh, actor. Anyway, he lives in a trailer park with his dad in Ventura and he makes very low budget feature films and he stars in all of them this repertory company of players that that that, that are all homeless it. all homeless people oh my god i'm yes. adding it they've to got my vietnam list. ron they've got everybody from the trailer court i mean it's just such a dream come true story because first of all it's got that whole ed wood thing of like you know uh who cares about the little details i'm making a movie he's got that andy warhol aesthetic if you know andy warhol's narrative films that just like i just want to make a movie he doesn't want to make a great movie. He just wants to get his story out, and is super inspirational That's in that way. Awesome. And it all takes place in a trailer court, it. and the characters, the, the the John Waters set of characters <laughs> that surrounds him. It's just so inspiring because it's like I don't know. I, I think he's living on like another level where he's truly free. And he then, is. Uh, that is exactly right. He is one hundred percent free. He doesn't care how many people see his movies. He does. I mean, 
anything I write, except for the first script I ever wrote, which I was too ignorant to understand this, everything I write, in some way or another, I'm influenced by, you know, is this a saleable idea? Is right. this a financeable idea? Is this a, a castable character? You just you just can't help yourself if you want to get your movies made. He is free of all of that. He gets an idea. <laughs> he just shoots it for. If he's got a hundred dollars that week, he'll make his movie for a hundred dollars. If he's got a if he gets a residual check, he's got a thousand dollars that week. He'll make one for a thousand dollars. He just makes it. movies all the time. One after another one after, after another. another. He's like, oh. I don't even know this is possible as a thing that could be achieved. But he seems like Mark Borchard if he didn't give a shit. Well, yeah. <laughs> Mark loves the movie and has been very supportive of uh -huh. the movie. That's that Mark Borchardt from American Movies. Yeah, from American Movies. We've know. had him too. Who we've had oh, him great. on the show. Yeah, great, he great. was great. Yeah. So he's been a big champion of Giuseppe cool. Makes a Movie. So anyway, so that's and and one of the reasons that I wanted to make the documentary is not just to see you know a crazy kid you know making crazy low budget movies with homeless people. <laughs> I love I, it. I found it. I, I found it, it touching because he yeah. has assembled this uh, this island of misfit toys he's created this family of outcasts that he sees as equals as collaborators he yeah. sees the humanity in people that oh, all of us awesome. would would avoid like the plague if they were coming down the side of the street that we were on yeah. and he he treats them like he in, in his world they are movie stars and they love it and it's so important to them and it's just very, i found it very touching oh my god i love that and, and, I, and, and having seen what you did with the um, Warwick movie, which isn't a documentary, but we get the idea that it's real but not. I bet you are really compassionate and you're really thoughtful about that movie. I really want to see that now. Please do. Oh my Please gosh, I love out. I love stories like that. Oh, cool. cool. Well, oh, awesome. I'm very proud of it. Awesome. Yeah. Now that brings us up to capturing shooting the Warwick. Or shooting the Warwick. Shooting the Warwick. Yes. Not capturing. Not capturing them though. <laughs> that would have been interesting too. Friedman's got captured. Friedman's got captured. <laughs> the Warwick's the got shot. shot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so what happened was I made a film as a, you were, we were talking about called Look, which became a television series, uh, limited run, a mini series, I guess you'd call it for Showtime. When the Showtime series of Look ended, it did real well. So Showtime said, "Would you like to do another one?" So I, I said, "Absolutely, of course." So I did a, a limited run uh, miniseries for Showtime called Reality Show, uh, which was a um, satire about reality television. After that finished airing, I thought to myself, there's more to this than just this one airing. Um, and I talked with my fellow producers about it, and I said, there's a movie in this footage, and I want to re-edit all the footage into a completely different animal and so out of that footage I created a movie called shooting the Warwicks oh. and the and wow. the story of shooting the Warwicks is wow what yeah <laughs> you, wow. Might to, you might have to say Are all that kidding? over again thank you thank you you might have to explain that all over again what we saw wasn't made on wasn't purpose shot. from the beginning wasn't what, shot that What way. you saw was a derivative work as it's called. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and to catch our audience up a fantastic. little bit. Fantastic. Thank you. Oh, Thank my you. God. That's unbelievable. That's so, unbelievable. Okay, now you have to go see the movie. But now now I, you have to see I'm the movie. I'm more impressed. Yeah. But, but uh, to set the context for our audience, this, oh is, this is a movie in which a person decides to create a reality show. Right. He, it is you. It's, I play yeah. the I play the, the lead. The, it's about a, an unscrupulous reality show producer. Which you I repeat suppose, yourself. Yeah, ahead. I suppose that's, that's redundant. Right. An, unscru <laughs> an unscrupulous reality show producer who has an idea to to reinvigorate the reality world because he feels reality television is phony. It's fake. It's all Too staged. Fake. He wants yeah. to reboot reality by by making it real again. And the way he figures you can do it is if you if you pick a family and you 
star them in the show, but you don't let them know they're the stars of this show. You hide cameras in their home. You hide cameras in their work. You follow them everywhere they go with a, a surveillance crew. If they don't see cameras in their face all the time, they will be uninfluenced by the cameras and they will be totally natural and real life is much more fascinating than anything that can be created. And what he finds out immediately <laughs> is that real life is boring. <laughs> so, Doesn't make good TV. No. So he and the network decide that because <laughs> conflict is the cornerstone of drama, if they just inject a little conflict here and there into their, li into their little, lives, just, just a little. little just first, tiny however, product placement. Yeah, however yeah. they react will make it more interesting and it's still real, quote unquote, right? So uh, it- The reactions will still be real. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So it, it works and they keep pushing it and they push it very, very far. It's and compromising <laughs> and compromising. Yeah. And as wow. the family's whole lives are going down this rabbit hole, he rationalizes that they're going to be thanking him yeah. when it airs because they'll be rich and famous. and you know, Which is probably true. Most people will forgive that. That's true. But I'm going to give you a very big compliment because I watched the movie and it just pissed me off what this guy was doing. It just drove me nuts. Well, that's good. I was just so angry at your character for what he was doing. <laughs> I do yeah. take that as a compliment. No, it, it was. It was. I was viscerally like, oh, this, you know, because I've had things happen to me and I'm pretty sure it's because somebody's spying on me. Oh, no, you hit all of Bart's I buttons. He thinks someone's out there sabotaging his every I movement. Never oh, I never realize that. I've been legitimately you. fired from a real job unless some a-hole in a truck across the street has oh, been feeding lines shit. to my boss. That's I probably what happened to me on barbed wire. There you go. I think yeah. so. It had to be. Well, so that's uh, that's insane that that movie was not shot for that. Because I when I was so looking at that, that, I'm like, wow, this well, yeah, is and, and it's the, so it's, well thought out. It seems like you knew where you were going. It seems Thank like you. a huge pain yeah. in the ass. It was actually yeah. super fun because when the show is a very different experience, it's a it's an out and out comedy. For ah. sure. but the, the oh, really the, yeah, <laughs> but because <laughs> shooting the Warwicks gets. Crazy dark and purposefully so, <laughs> and dark. effectively so. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. But, but in boiling it down to its core story in the editing room, everything that wasn't you know germane to just that core story, once it was gone, it just became this very intense story about what happens to this family. It was a whole different experience. Now there has there is precedent. This type of thing has existed before. Fanny and Alexander was a Swedish miniseries that Ingmar Bergman recut oh, no into a movie. Mm. Um, the Trip with Steve Coogan. Oh, yeah. It was, oh. was a series in Europe that was recut for uh, a yeah. feature that was released uh, as I, a feature uh -oh. here. I uh, saw that and liked that. I need to see the series. Go watch the series. <laughs> and um, and uh, Mulholland Drive was a, a failed pilot. Yeah. Which, oh. Uh, which yeah, is, wow. Yeah. But the interesting thing about yours is there's basically two locations. There's everything that happens in the house, and then there's you guys in the van. Right. So I assume you just, after you had shot all this stuff in the house for the other thing, you just shot the van part, and you guys are just watching the show and doing... Well, yes and no. I I don't rem I yeah, I think we did shoot the house first, but you know, we it was it was all scripted, so we were just reacting to blue screens, you know, okay. and just I was just saying, "Okay, we're all watching this happen." And then we would do that <laughs> scene. Um yeah, all that stuff was burned in later. I love the relationship between you and Shane. Oh, that, that that rang so true. I was t I was talking to Paul about Shane this earlier. Is the uh, assistant, production assistant. Yeah. And I was yeah. saying that it's such an insider relationship that you have because if 
if people are watching this movie who mm-hmm. have had no experience on the set, have had no experience in Hollywood, they would say to themselves, "Why? Why? First of all, does Shane still have a job? And why was he? Why would he sit around and put up with this? Because if anyone talked to me like that, yeah, it would mean it. It, it would mean either I'm about to punch them yeah. or I'm being fired. But you don't tell somebody in the real world, you fucking suck. Get the fuck out of my but truck. But it's so how it is, and in then this expect world. them to show up to work yeah. tomorrow. I loved it, and he was hilarious. Yeah. He's hilarious. Well, I will tell you that uh, um, Shane, uh, I cast as the lovable, bumbling assistant of mine because Shane is the lovable, bumbling <laughs> assistant of mine. <laughs> yes. So he actually technically is not my assistant any longer, uh, um, and he wasn't anymore when yeah. we made when we shot the movie. But that, that's all from real life. It right. it, it, it rang awesome. so true, and it was. Uh, I really enjoyed those two in that that dynamic a lot. He, I, he, I fired him many many times. Right, and then but but we just kind of got into a groove where I'd fire him, <laughs> and then he would just show up the next day for work because I and I knew he would be there, and that was just the way we went along. There is there is an impressive group top to bottom of actors in this who have to do the tricky part of being authentic. Yeah, and while they're naked. not, and, and naked. very naked, Lots great of good naked, naked in this. going really on. Really good nudity in this. Good yeah. naked. <laughs> Thank There's you. There's bad naked, Thank good you. naked. This is good, good naked. naked. Lots of good because no guys are naked. That's why it's good naked. <laughs> oh <laughs> no, no, the the workout guy is nakedish. Oh, that's right. I well, enjoyed that. I'll tell you, we did, especially when they went down. You we know, did have to do some down. a lot of actually digital testicle removal. <gasps> I, I kid you not. Son of a gun. There was a lot of testicle. Had a rotoscope the penis. We had to. There was a lot of stuff. He looked like what he would have a lot packing, so that would be important. <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, yeah the, the, the uh, there's a lot of thrusting they, in this movie. That's why it's good nudity. Lots there's of undulating. Sometimes yeah. you get nudity, but you don't always get undulating. Well, the cast. I was, I was trying to compliment their acting. The, this was a the, while ago. I'll tell you. you this. May remember when I was the doing cast, this. Yeah, I'll bring I'll bring it back to that. <laughs> the cast is the cast is really great, and here's something that uh, for all the actors out there who are looking to catch a break in Hollywood. Every actor in this is a non-SAG actor. We oh, went wow. completely non-union. See? Yeah. And, and, uh, because, uh, and we knew that, that there were, because we wanted everybody to be completely fresh and completely, because we, we wanted them to feel like real people. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you couldn't, if you recognized the, the high school you know, teacher from you know, the last episode of CSI that you saw, it just would oh, break. Oh, absolutely, the, you the bounce yeah. right out yeah. of it. Yeah, right. that was yeah, a yeah. very good point, because I was thinking true. the good. same thing about it. Well, I wonder the if you would yeah, if you would have cast this with with anybody that I knew right away the 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 or even a very well known commercial fantasy actor. of it, it just takes you out yeah. of it. You're right. So yeah. we wanted all fresh faces and and the philosophy being that you know a lot of people out here are pursuing acting that haven't had their shot yet and mm-hmm. tr- it's absolutely true. There's so many great actors out here and we got a you know everybody's great in it and you know there's there there. Isn't necessarily a talent difference just because you're union. Not at all. I, I, you know, I respect the union, but yeah. sometimes the only difference is the three grand you paid to get in. It's true. But background actors can become union after so much work without a, an ounce of talent who couldn't pull off the roles that these fine people did in your movie. It's true. Mm-hmm. The you know, only difference is, I will tell you, the only difference is, is during the casting process, you do have to kiss a few more frogs than you otherwise would. Oh, okay. Because getting into the union to a certain degree does weed out people that mm. are so bad mm-hmm. that they true. would never get to that point. <laughs> yeah. So if you're just putting out, you know, uh, what are called cattle calls just across the board and anybody who wants to oh, be wow. an actor or actress can just show up, you do get a lot of people who, you know, it's like the 
you know, American Idol auditions. Yes, you know what I mean? yeah. A lot of Somali cab drivers <laughs> right. who end up in, you know, Captain Phillips. There was right. a, um, a director. There was a director up at Universal because Paul and I both work with Universal at times. And um, he said that after American Idol started and people started watching these audition reality shows, he watched the audition situation change because I audition for a lot of musicals. I do a lot of that kind of stuff. So, you know, you go in, you sing your song. When you're done, you wait quietly until they talk to you. And if they don't, you say thank you and you leave. Well, after American Idol started, oh, no. he said they would come in to audition for whatever they were casting, and they he'd say, okay, please sing your song, and they'd sing it, and then he'd go, okay, great, and they'd go, uh-uh, I'm not leaving, you're going to tell me what you thought, and he's like, well, that's oh, not how we do it, oh. and they're like, I am talented, and then they have a whole discussion. I have it. I have it, and he's like, could oh. you please leave, and and that started to happen more, because not only was it an open call, the- but they think that's how auditions go now, because oh. they've seen that on TV. That's horrible. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be happy with no, that. No, he said he saw it all the time where people wanted feedback and wanted to know why they didn't get cast. Am I going to go to callbacks? That kind of thing. Definitely want to segue back to a couple things on uh, shooting the Warwicks yes. uh, before we wrap up that. Because uh, one thing we, we haven't covered is how, of course, you realize that the, that the guy is going to... You know, that they're going to increasingly manipulate reality because it's boring and that's and it goes in a comic direction. But how fast and furious it goes and how many changes all the characters make is so fun. Uh, we were talking about the personal trainer that the, he the, the producer gets the everybody to cheat on everybody else mm-hmm. gets every boyfriend to cheat on every boyfriend. I love the product placement thing. Oh, my God. Because the big joke there is they put peanut butter in the house and one of them is allergic to peanuts. Unbelievable. <laughs> it goes into anaphylactic shock. Oh, my God. Ah, it's just such fun manipulation of reality. It's. Uh, <laughs> I also kind of like the fact that when um, this this producer just randomly pick his assistant, randomly picks someone from the world, he picks a really nice family who loves each other and they really try hard. <laughs> and then ruins them, of course. <laughs> but they were a lovely family who talked to each other. Like when mm-hmm. the, the husband, something bad happens to him, he comes home. And he doesn't lie to his wife or hide it from her. He loves her and tells her and talks to her about it. And I'm like, yeah, there's real people out there that actually still act like that. Boring. Boring. Exactly. They're right for the ruining. Well, and what I, wanted to do with, what I wanted to do with the movie is I wanted it, hopefully to shine a mirror back at ourselves as a culture and and force us to sort of face why we are making reality shows so successful. Why mm-hmm. has that become the culture, you know? Mm-hmm. And I do believe to a certain degree that the same thing within us that likes to watch a reality show because everybody likes a train wreck. Everybody likes to slow down at an accident and and everybody but we are reaching peak train wreck yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. all that we're talking about anymore. It, but it's the same sort of thing in us that I think is what made people go to the gladiator matches you know people want to see the blood Mm -hmm. they want to see the bloodbath and uh i think the only difference i think that and i'll tell you this this this, the the movie takes it to a a, an extreme you know but in a way worse exists online you know i mean when you look at the numbers Mm -hmm. of views on like these isis execution videos they're in, they, they, the, if you wanted to call them ratings, are through the roof. Uh. You know, it's just people have this insatiable bloodlust, and I kind of wanted to make the movie a little bit of a commentary about that. Hmm. Wow. wow, Dana Gould, one of my favorite comedians, has a quote that I was so great I memorized it. <laughs> like, and it's long, but I got it all. He said, uh, "You'll never see less reality than when you're watching reality television. These are people who are not actors put into situations with people who are not." 
by oh put into situations by people who are not writers. And they are second-guessing the way you think you might want them to behave if, if this were a real situation, which it is not. <laughs> it, is, it is an amateur of production of nothing. It's a photo of a drawing of a hologram. That's, that sums it up. I love that quote. An amateur production of nothing. Production of nothing. That's great. No, I'm, I'm with you, Adam, because I think I, t I first kind of had that sense of things with that uh, MTV show called Fight. I mean, uh, Real Life, where they would just put... <laughs> the real world? A real world. Yeah. Of they just put a bunch of that different people in a room, one. and I wonder what's going to happen when you put a ballerina with a cowboy and a rapper. Well, they're going to fight, and that's all they're going to want. <laughs> right. gonna fight fight not, or fuck. Goose One or the do. other. Yeah. 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 I well, wonder what that's going to be. Paul like. and I, when we first, when that movie first, that TV show, that concept came out back in the early 90s, we were working at a Renaissance fair. It was a regional theater that's production. That's real life, people. <laughs> well, that's why it didn't intrigue me because we were 30 actors from all over the country. We all auditioned. Mm. We were hired by this company and they put us up with people we didn't know. So I had this girl from Georgia who I never met. She was my cabin mate. So there were 15 cabins in this old resort in the Poconos and it had a main house. And we Sounds all. Like a horror movie. It was. It could have been a horror movie. <laughs> and we all just had to live together because we had to work together and we all played different characters. No one really knew each other. And that was real life. Yeah. So then people would do this and watch that on TV. And I was like, uh, it sucked when I lived it. I don't want to watch it again. We were with another cast the year before working yeah. at a different theater. It, no it's the deal, same thing. What do you do? You meet and live with new people. I mean, big deal, yeah. Not uh -oh. Big deal for actors. So shooting the Warwicks is available now because I just finished the run at Arena Cinema, which told me it's it's uh, jumping right to VOD. It's so on. It's can see available it. on VOD on Good. all the platforms: uh, Amazon, iTunes, Vudu. All of them. It's available on them all. Shooting the Warwicks. Yeah, I'm recommended. It's it's yeah. it, it's insane. And Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And if you want a, a little taste of, uh, if you have Amazon Prime, Giuseppe makes a movie is on I, that. If I'm, you want a taste of, uh, please please I'm check all that out over too. that. And then go. Uh, all right, I'm go. gonna have to get your like Twitter handle. I'm gonna watch it and give please, you a full report. Please. At Adam Rifkin. It's okay. Easy perfect. To remember. Awesome. So uh, let me ask you what I ask every guest who comes on the show. What's your favorite movie of all time? Well, that is a hard question, and I'm sure everybody says that. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Um, I, my, I have so many movies that are my favorite movie of all time that that's cool. I'm just going to have to pick one for today. Okay. Right? Exactly. That's all that's the right answer. I agree with that, that tactic. Yeah. What's your favorite movie of all time right now? My favorite movie, <laughs> of, all, my favorite movie of all time today, and I will say before I say anything, I mean, movies are, are uh, so mood dependent and day of the week dependent and where you are at your station in life dependent and age dependent. I mean, movies yeah. that I loved when I was at a at an impressionable young age. Now I look back on, sometimes they hold up, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they don't, but I still love them because I have a nostalgic connection to them. Um, anyway, the, the movie that I love most today is probably Harold and Maude. Oh. Oh. Good one. All right. We've had that before. Yes. Out of 100 plus guests, whatever, someone else had mentioned that, and that caused you to put write it I, down. I have this list of movies, it. and I watched it, and I thought Did you it watch was... It? Absolutely adorable. It's so perfect for you. Oh my gosh, it was so magical. It's a great movie. It's I magical love it. is a good one. And uh, movies yeah. don't get to be magical very often. That no. is really. Oh, what a wonderful part for that woman. Amazing. Oh, that's one of those part. movies that I will. I mean, there's a bunch of movies like this that I, if if ever it's playing somewhere, I'll go see it again. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter how many times I've, I've seen it. But that's one of those movies that, uh, as much as I love so many other kinds of movies, and uh, that movie just always makes me happy. 
Yeah. You know, so I just, I love it. So, but tomorrow, my favorite movie of all time will be a different one. So, you happen <laughs> to catch me on Harold and Maude. That's a good one. one. Hal Ashby, right? Hal Ashby, who and made I, a lot of favorite movies of all and time. And I think I said hmm. this when the, whoever was brought up Harold and Maude last time, and he didn't make enough movies. Like Bob yeah. Fosse, both those guys, neither of them made true. enough movies. But he did make other movies that I love. I love being, being there. there. I yeah. love yeah. The Last Detail. <laughs> yeah. I love uh, uh, Coming Home. Although I wouldn't say it's my favorite movie of all time, but I love it. I mean, he's made a lot of movies that I love. Yeah, you know. but it's a shame we didn't get like thirty or forty. Oh, we didn't I get a Scorsese type roll call from it him or from Bob. Fawcett. You know who? Who, uh, interestingly enough, are the two most prolific directors alive today that that still continue to make good movies. Not every one, but they still are able to pull out good movies. Can we make a guess? Make a guess. Woody Allen. Yeah. Because yearly. Yeah. It's like clockwork. And used to, Cone Brothers used to come out yearly, but they don't anymore. They're but they're breaks. they're too young for this. I'm talking. Okay. About, I'm talking oh, about so someone with a big body of work that's still cranking it out. Correct. So Woody Allen and um, I don't know. Woody Allen and Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I was going to say Robert Redford, but he doesn't. He's make been directing yeah. since. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, whether you like or you don't like American <laughs> Sniper, that movie was directed <laughs> by a director. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He did not walk through that movie. That, yeah. He went to Morocco. He shot that movie. You know, so. Mm-hmm. And it came out the same year as Jersey Boys. That's Prolific, right. right. Yeah, Which yeah. I loved. I, I did like that one. But these guys, they just love shooting movies. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah. You know, they don't, you know, I, I, what I've heard about um, Clint Eastwood is if he reads a script and he likes it, he shoots it. He doesn't put it into development. He, sh- he reads it, he likes yeah. it, he shoots it. Or if he reads it and he doesn't like it, he doesn't shoot it. And Woody Allen just writes another movie and shoots it and writes it and shoots it. And right? He just amazing. doesn't stop. I love that kind of. Very similar to Giuseppe. That's <laughs> right? very similar. He's, he's the third guess. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's awesome. Still cranking it out. <laughs> we have time for a real quick round of What Did You See This Week? Uh, what Did You See This Week? <laughs> yes. So I put it to the table as ever. Uh, but for quick roundups of stuff you saw, so we can get on to the birthday segment of the show Tootsie. Shut again, up. again, I stayed in the house. TBS, yes, I didn't, TBS, I didn't, yeah, uh, TBS. Yeah, I saw yeah. Tootsie. And why, why don't you go to movie theaters again? Because there's people there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's just. I'm a starting to 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 deduce a theme. <laughs> yes. Paranoia. <laughs> it it might be a theme. We each have our own be. thing. <laughs> that would be his. That's um, perfect. I'll, I'll, can I take exuberance this week? It's all yours. Uh, yeah, you would be exuberant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was just a, an insanely charming movie. Just uh, such I love a that movie. great movie. Terry Gar, yeah. Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Stands um, up. Mm-hmm. There's a a comedy only every once in a oh, while. Sidney Pollock scenes. Oh, man. Yeah. Gets nominated for Best And there's Picture. so much truth in it, too, at the same time as right. it being funny. Yeah. I can play that. We, we want to go a different way. We just don't want you, <laughs> <laughs> however it's worded. Oh, my God. It's me, Michael Dorsey. Yes. <laughs> yes. God, Michael, I begged you to get therapy. <laughs> Pollock, right? Pollock is so good. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think he was making $600 a week on that show in that movie. Like in the Probably. movie, he was, yeah, his, yeah. his oh, character yeah. was renewed. Yeah. He's like, they're, they're, coming, they're coming up from six to 800 a week. I'm like, well, wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, I movie passed the shit out of this week. And yeah. so I went to the theater a bunch to catch it because I still have to catch up on uh, uh, summer movies and summer yeah, blockbusters. I've missed out. I, I missed Ted, too. I'm going to have to catch that in the cheap house. And uh, I gotta still see Ant Man, but I did finally see Terminator Genesis, and I 
everyone came out hating it, but I thought it was okay until the it, end. It just falls apart. Well, but but uh, it has to of its own weight. I mean, good God, yeah, the movie is trying to take in a continuity that can't control itself. Yes. <laughs> you're right. But in that, there's it's some the creative, most crazy juggling act you've ever seen. In that, there's some creative action sequences, and in the yeah. plot they set up for themselves to cross timelines and make new ones and all that. There's some interesting reveals and some fun stuff. But then there's a tag at the end where they're trying to force a franchise in yeah, another yeah, trilogy yeah, yeah, that's yeah, just yeah, awful. It just yeah. ruins the whole movie. <laughs> it's, but, it's the most Terminator a movie could be. But I love the way Arnold <laughs> took a backseat and he yeah. you know, was a supporting character and he, uh, you know, was still very forthright and had to protect Sarah, you know, and it, and his mission was on point and he didn't overact and yeah. I thought he was good. And uh, I didn't and li- I didn't like the guy who played Bill Paxton though. <laughs> he played Bill. He, short of a six yeah. pack. he played Bill Paxton. He played Bill Paxton. You know, he he played Christian Slater playing uh, Jack Nicholson playing Bill Paxton. Yeah. Oh, you know, he's so great because you know how the, the real triumph of that movie is that they redo the opening to the original Terminator so well, shot for shot with Jai Courtney, and uh, and then the digital Arnold and everything. I mean, that's a real triumph of that. Is that's a that's a CGI. Arnold from 1984. Yeah. And suddenly old Arnold comes out and we're like, oh, we're just having some fun. That, that, that was fun. So, yeah, exactly. It's so yeah. much fun. It'd be so great if they had digitaled up young Bill Paxton. Like they're like, they should have. We, we got to do him CGI as well. <laughs> yeah. But Jay Courtney, speaking of which, uh, you know, I liked him. And it's almost a shame that he was in the latest Die Hard movie because you forget he's so great in Jack Reacher that then to play like a thing that kind of hangs on John McClane and bogs down that movie was a shame for him because yeah. now he turns around he's good in this he's going to be great in Suicide Squad I think he's probably going to be like he's a, Captain a Boomerang and you man. know who he fights like uh, Baronholtz mm. mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Mission nice. Impossible 5 uh, uh, Rogue Nation was great saw that cranked that out that was uh, that was fun too uh, Man from Uncle, not as much though. No, I no liked fun. it okay. Yeah, because we, we, we saw this together. On this. You like Mission Impossible a little less. Yeah, it's Man from the from director of Swept more. Away. You love Swept Away. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Um, I think I liked it more because there's more relationships and there's more. Uh, I I could follow the relationships. I mean, in the Mission Impossible movies, there's relationships, but for some reason, I was able to get behind the different characters in the Man from Uncle a little easier, and I like Hugh Grant so. Welcome return to the screen for him. There's not enough Hugh Grant anymore. Is it uh, mm-hmm. spy enough? It is. Yeah, yeah there's twists yeah. I mean, is it, is it, If I like a classic Bond film, oh, yeah. I can enjoy myself. I think okay. Cavill okay. plays it for. so glib, though. It's almost yeah. as if he goes through yeah. the whole movie not really interacting with any other characters. It's strange. <laughs> you know, and, and Army Hammer cool. winking to himself. Army Hammer now mm-hmm. has doesn't have great chemistry with him. Didn't have great chemistry with Johnny Depp and Lone Ranger. Had great chemistry with himself in the social network, so maybe that's the winning <laughs> formula <laughs> for him going forward. Yeah, so. he doesn't he's not uh, he's he might be charmless. I haven't paid, paid enough attention, but he actually yeah. might be charmless, right? Yeah, we gotta give him a few more movies. Right. Now, now Paul and I also just last night saw straight out of Compton. <gasps> and Can't wait to see that. I so excited. thought it was uh, Is it a brother that will smother your mother and make your sister think I love her? <laughs> Perhaps. The first act was great. I always love the story of how people get to where they're going. I mean, because, you know, it's always interesting to see how art is made, especially in very difficult circumstances. Then they get where they're going, and they're still very there's a strong story, but then it just started to fall apart for me by the third act. And then I heard like a the really... 90s. <laughs> Just like the 90s. <laughs> I um, heard on the radio uh, today when I was driving, NPR said that the really sad story of Straight Outta Compton is it's the number one movie in the country and the people in Compton can't see it because there are no movie theaters there. They don't invest in their um, yeah. the infrastructure of their uh, town. They don't have the money to have movie theaters. Mm. 
That's so sad. That's an interesting indictment. It does seem like they try and accomplish a lot in Act, uh, latter half of Act Two and all of Act Three in that movie. And so there's so much to cover. It kind of does. You, you never get as quite as settled into it as you do their rise oh, to fame. Exciting, and that yeah. part's great. And it's full of great actors you never heard of. Uh, the guys playing Dre and and Cube, and uh, they're all good. Really and, strong. And, and Paul uh, Giamatti, come on. And of course Giamatti. Fantastic. Making any movie. Uh, I think they yeah. called it straight out of Compton, so the people in Compton knew they had to leave to go see go it. Go see it and then come yeah. back. Got to get out of Compton <laughs> to go see this movie. I also watched because uh, I've decided just whenever I'm in a grumpy mood, I'm gonna watch movies. I was feeling surly, so I started. Wa- I watched Grey Gardens. Oh, oh. My, that documentary! Famous oh. documentary about oh. the, the Bouviers. Oh, the Bouviers are crazy people. Yes, they are it's amazing. Crazy. They just sit around all and day and argue with each other and eat cat food Collect and newspapers. Um, and dance. They yeah. just dance. So that was amazing. And then I started watching Tusk. I'm oh. only halfway Where through. Oh, very interesting horror film. Horror film. Yeah. And Did you see anything, Adam? I. Oh, oh, there's either so Adam. many Adams. <laughs> Adams, did you see Please, anything? Adam, uh, I saw two movies that pretty much uh, come from opposite ends of the spectrum. I did see Mission Impossible, which I thought was great, and I also saw Tangerine, <gasps> oh. which I thought was great. I've heard good things. And, you know, Mission Impossible costs $8 billion to make, and Tangerine yeah. costs $0.03 cents to make. And yeah. I thought they both were really well done for exactly what they intended to do. Be, What's Tangerine? Tangerine was a big hit at Sundance last year. It was shot for no money on an iPhone. Oh, wow. oh that's the one. And it's the story of um, transgender prostitutes on Santa Monica Boulevard. Yes, I was driving and NPR was talking about this and how okay. the women just talk and they're hysterical. Hilarious. I have to watch that. Yeah, it's a great list. it's a great movie. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, I really dug it. And they that's are awesome. just on fire from what I hear. They yeah. are just ruling they're it. They're so good. Okay, all right, thank you. <laughs> Uh, Other Adam? Okay. Uh, I would like to relinquish my time <laughs> to have a conversation with Adam about critics because we started oh. to get onto it and you started to get onto it right there. Oh, actually, before I say that, The Oblong Box with <laughs> Vincent Price and Christopher Lee, the only movie they were both in together. If you need a classic gothic horror movie, the one that constantly zooms into the like castly looking building and yes. up to the one window with the light on that you know, you might have used to watch like late at night when you were a kid, that's the one to watch. Oblong Box is like the perfect gothic horror movie. And I also saw The Return of Captain Invincible, which is, I'm ticking off, I think there's only five superhero movies in history I've never seen. This was one of them. And it's Alan Arkin, and it is the craziest, most genius thing I've ever seen. It does things superhero <coughs> movies have not done yet. It is radical. It is before its time. It is a musical and a pretty good one. It is a giant 235 a widescreen production of Alan Arkin as a superhero who's an alcoholic who's kicked out of being a superhero because of the uh, the commie panels, the Joe, uh, Joe McCarthy. Sure. I, I mean, it's just, it's like so many wonderful things that superhero movies have not done yet. You know, even in this current era, like Captain Invincible is like, it's it's a whole different animal and it's genius. And I love it's Alan Arkin. The, I love the enthusiasm with which you relinquish your time. <laughs> yes, ask him about. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, so, but I do want to so, see that film though, and so. it's and it's not a sequel. <coughs> No. Even though it's called The Return. No, no, okay. exactly. And it was never released in America. And Stephen E. D'Souza spoke uh, after oh, it, who's cool. the screenwriter yeah. of Die Hard. <laughs> right. oh, uh, uh, yes, but, reviewers. Okay, now that I've relinquished my time. Yes. No, what I wanted to say, because <laughs> because you just you just hit on a key point right there. You said that's the, you saw Tangerine and you saw Mission Impossible, and both those movies have a job to do. Yep. And they have to do that job. And what pisses me off about critics, and, and we started to have this discussion in there, is they somehow... Well, they put on their I'm important face and they, 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 you know, they'll hack on sequels or remakes or reboots because that's supposedly challenging, even though like that's everyone's first instinct. But 
each movie that you go into has a job to be itself. And if they start to betray itself, that's when you get a bad movie. Yeah. But if but I'm very tired of hearing people go, yeah, it was pretty entertaining. Yeah, it's Jurassic World. That's all it exists for is to be entertaining. So if you come out and they use that word as like a curse word, it's like, yeah, it was entertaining. Yeah, that was, well, that's the point. It's Jurassic <laughs> Just World. Just like how comedy was funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's pretty that funny. That was pretty funny. Well, yeah, the, the thing is, uh, you know, I I am all about good film criticism. I I, I love the the art of film criticism is I yeah. think a, a worthy art form. And uh, you know, guys like um, Roger Ebert or critics exactly. like Pauline Kael, they were were really they were real movie lovers, and they wanted every movie to be good yes, before the they watched it. Yes, and they came at movies from that direction. There's a lot of critics now uh, where the, the, the whole style, the whole theme, the whole idea is they want to hate every movie because that gives them a chance to show off their snarky writing. Yes. And so yep. it, I just don't think that's proper film criticism, but I don't think a lot of people care. And so as a result, a lot of really good films get a bad rap. You know what I mean? And small films, unfortunately really need critic uh cr critical champions you know what i mean yeah. and so it's uh it's it's unfortunate because like uh my friend uh produced monster okay and monster um was championed by roger ebert mm -hmm. and that's a big reason why monster broke through and why charlie's throne mm. won an oscar i love was, that movie yeah, yeah and she was great in it and he championed that movie and he worked really hard to make sure people took it seriously because he loved it and you just don't see a lot of love of of the movies of the the art form of cinema by a lot of critics these days it's just kind of a bummer you know i mean i, I think i can and, and you know me i mean i'll come on here i'll glow about batman and robin or whatever because i find the love in it i figure out like i'm like all right there's a way to like this movie i'm excited to see fantastic four of course i'm a superhero nut but i love that everyone's hating this movie and so <laughs> it's unfortunate for the genre blah 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 but now I haven't seen it yet, and it's roundly hated, and everyone keeps telling me it's terrible. But that—that's not the point I'm going to see. You know, there was a time where so few good superhero movies existed, you could round it up to there aren't any. Mm -hmm. You know. So uh, anyway, it's just like I'm now excited to go because I can find the love. I'll figure out how to like Fantastic Four because everybody else is so quick to give up. I think it's unfair to hate a movie that was clearly made with effort. Now, Fantastic Four, I think you can hate it because these people should have known better and either they gave up or got lazy or, or, or intentionally made a bad movie, almost. Almost because they, were, they just did their job poorly and it's not because they can't do their job better, it's just that they didn't. Or now, maybe someone in the studio got in the way of, a, yeah. of the director seeing his vision or the writer. Death, yeah. There's that a lot of things happen. that can influence that movie. Yeah. But a movie like Giuseppe Makes a Movie or a movie like Shooting Warwicks, where it's just you. And you don't have a tremendous of, uh, amount of outward, uh, outside influence on you. There's, I don't understand why you get angry at that movie. Why do you say to that? Why does the critic say, "Well, th this is stupid," and well, this guy's trying, this girl's trying to make this movie. There's no ill will behind it. Yeah. If anything, maybe the story isn't um, well directed, or maybe we can't figure out but the relationships of the characters. But not just, I hate this. Well, that, and movie. even if all those things happened, it's not like you meant to do that. Yeah. And it's not like yeah. you wanted to do that. Yeah. That's yeah. just what happened because you were trying to make a movie. Right. Again, Fantastic Four, they should know better. They can do better. They didn't do better. Bad on them. Independent guy who, independent girl who's making a movie. 
Well, I've had experiences where I've gotten where I've read reviews of something that I've done by uh, by thoughtful critics, and they criticize the film in ways that I didn't think of. And I th- and I will agree sometimes. Did with, they yeah. mention the yeah. costumes? Because sometimes yeah. they don't even mention the costumes. <laughs> sometimes they don't even mention the costumes. But I'm, I, I've literally had situations where, and I I will never fault a critic who thoughtfully gives me a bad review, and I even if I don't agree with it, I understand their point, or yeah. sometimes I do agree with their point. But if somebody, a lot of times you can tell that a review, a reviewer didn't even necessarily pay attention to the movie, didn't even watch it, because they'll criticize something, you know, uh, about the movie that if you had paid attention to the movie, mm-hmm. that's not what the movie was about, or that yep. you know they missed the convention that or the, the the hook that that made that make sense or whatever, you know what I mean? So I don't care about getting a bad review, and and I just think that it's it's too bad that there aren't more thoughtful reviews and there aren't more movie lovers. In the mm-hmm. review chairs, you know, in the reviewer chairs. Man, I loved Ebert. Loved Ebert. And there is no replacement. True. Not yet. Very true. And it was at some co- completely different time, too, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, and I remember when, when I was a kid, too, you'd have your Roger Ebert, but then you'd also have your dumbasses like Michael Medved or sure. those guys or, or whatever. That They had to fill out the other channels. They had another show on, yeah. on some other time. And sometimes you'd watch them because you're just like, eh, I'll watch the Dragnet trailer again. You know what I mean? I'll just, whatever they're talking about. I'll just, but, but I always thought, oh, it's great that the internet is going to democratize that, mm-hmm. that those guys will get rid of those old guys and, and it will be these, these correct voices. And it just, hasn't happened and I, I yeah it's I mean the, the fact that you would not be a movie lover like setting yourself up to win like when you go into a movie that is that is the best thing like I came out of Transformers 4 thinking that was the greatest movie because I just I nailed it with with the way I took that movie in because I saw all the games it was playing and by the end of it I was like it did what it needed to, it did what it set out to do and, See, and I had that, that same feeling well. with uh, the dragon, the Bruce Lee story. I came out thinking this movie should win an Oscar. Then again, I paid a buck fifty for it, so I was like, <laughs> yeah, I think that always. <laughs> How much you pay does influence <laughs> your Absolutely. movie going? I was going to bring up Transformers: Age of Extinction too, because that's the movie we said was reviewed a month before it came out, I or know. a week before. They it came all out. wrote that review. That so review, excited to yeah, hit it, and then they were just. Yeah, when they said they went to see it, they just posted their review. Yeah, but there were so many things about that that improved on the franchise. So improved on it. Because the criticism Shit. of the other one is, why am I following Shia LaBeouf getting a job for a half hour? That's gone. Now yeah. it's like just people hunting Transformers and Transformers hunting Transformers and Transformers being Transformers <laughs> and doing Transformers stuff with Transformers. And blah, 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 Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah. And Mark Wahlberg. It's a better movie. <laughs> Stanley Tucci's there. And it's better. Yeah. Automatically it's better. All right. All right, listen, let's go out with, uh, yeah, with our go. big weekly celebration of the birthdays. For those who make the movies, it's Karen's birthdays, so hit it. Hit it. Let's start off this week of birthdays by wishing a very happy birthday to Mr. Andrew Garfield, who turns 32 but can play anywhere from a bookworm in the social network to a Spider-Man. Now, Too you may fired. know Andrew from playing Eduardo in the social network. Later uh, later that same year, though, he's also cast as a title character in the re- reboot of the Spider-Man f- film franchise, Fuck. The Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> he reprised the role in the sequel also, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Adam? Which I liked. Adam, pretend for a moment that I don't know anything about metallurgy, <laughs> engineering, or the amazing just, Spider-Man, and just tell me what, what the, the hell is going, going on. on. Uh, with Spider-Man 2? I was oh, waiting well. for you never studied. You never studied. I'm sorry. But tell I, me what's going on with I Spider-Man, because I... With that's all right. Well, they have just cast a very young kid to play a high school-age Spider-Man. Uh, Sony realized they didn't know what they were doing with Spider-Man. I thought 2 was actually pretty enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But again, it set out to do... It's not a great movie, but it set out... It accomplished everything it was supposed to. And the first one was the origin story? 
Well, they, they re-origined him with Andrew Garfield. Uh-huh. So they had Tobey Maguire, and they did three movies. I think I saw the Tobey Maguire one, okay. and then the girl with the small teeth. And then they redid the origin. Uh, but and also the Kirsten thing in, in Amazing Spider-Man Two is one of the great moments in Spider-Man comic books: uh, the death of Gwen Stacy. They did aces, which is what you got to do. That's like a very important moment. So I'm sorry if I blew the ending of that, but <laughs> the comic has been around since 1963. Well, hopefully when they bring him back, they just—he's just there. Just, just show up and be Spider-Man. He is. He we is. They've already said that. Bit by a spider. Get it? Yeah. Let's have him show up in an X-Men movie or somewhere in the Marvel Universe and just be Yeah, because Spider-Man. that's one, even for someone like me that doesn't know a lot about Spider-Man movies, I know his origin. Yeah. And not for you nothing, know? Tom Holland, is that the kid's Tom name? Tom Holland, that is his Who's name. playing Spider-Man now, was so excellent in this movie, The Impossible, oh. which was on the cover of my the Hollywood <laughs> Reporter with Naomi Watts about right. the... Ty- the, the, the ty- nap typhoon. Ty- whatever. The that su- big uh, water thing. Tsunami. tsunami. tsunami there you go. Indian Ocean. The flood. He's fiercely good in that movie. So uh, hopefully he becomes transitions into a great adult actor as well. Now, I was going through some of the IMDb here about Andrew Garfield, and he was quoted as saying, I hope that I have to audition for every single job I want. I hope that I'm always struggling, Struggling, really. You develop when you're struggling. When you're struggling, you get stronger. And I just want to say, in that case, the movie guys are very... Very strong. We could lift this house <laughs> over our head. We could lift this house up. I'm a very strong actor. <laughs> Next up, let's wish a very happy birthday in our week of celebration of young actors I hardly know anything about by wishing a happy birthday to Ben Barnes, who turns 33. I think I speak for everyone, and I say, who? You do not speak for young girls. <laughs> he can play anywhere from a prince in the Chronicles of Narnia. That's where you uh, might what? have heard of him. Or to a self-obsessed narcissist in Dorian Gray. The movie about the painting and then he's He's in the painting. He's in the painting, but he can't look at the painting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, But maybe that's kind of the same thing as playing himself. You know most of that. Anyway, fun fact: you love your facts. Fun, uh, Adam. I don't know if you know this. um, (laughs) I insist that all my facts be fun. (laughs) Those those are the best facts. (laughs) Otherwise, otherwise, I don't have time to listen to what you're talking about. Now, I wanted to find a way to cross over to this young hottie, Ben Barnes, and figure out something that we could relate to. So I found this fun fact on IMDb that says he based his Prince Caspian accent for that character on that of Inigo Montoya from The Prince's Bride. Because the night before the audition, he was trying to find a way to come up with an accent. He needed something to help him, and he watched that movie. I can respect This brings Mm -hmm. up a question I would like answered by anyone who can. Okay. I've seen that name in writing. Uh-huh. Is it Indigo? Inigo? He says... I he says Inigo. I-N-I-G-O is how it was spelled in IMDb. His name is Inigo. He says Inigo, Inigo Montoya. 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 You killed my father. But, but I, I, thought, I swear I thought I saw it spelled Indigo. That was really fun. Uh, maybe that was that was a bad fact. I also, no, no. That part, was almost a thrilling fact. <laughs> part I also want you to know about this fact you'll oh, appreciate. A bungee jump of For the facts. Chronicles of Narnia movies, he wore hair extensions and wore his Prince Caspian hair. Oh, that is fun. I know. <laughs> part, I, love the, I love that they keep making Chronicles of Narnia movies, whether anybody gives a shit about them or it not. It doesn't like, matter. They come and go, and nobody cares. They just kind of fill a hole in February or whatever. Yeah. And They're like, <laughs> they here's another one. The like, we're making a third one. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't you if you have a couple? So, and lastly, and for, uh, not for yes. at the uh, Comic Con when they had a seventh son panel, uh-huh. Jeff Bridges came out, place went nuts, Ben Barnes came out, their girls went crazy. Oh, crazy. Okay. Okay. Let's wrap up this week of birthdays by wishing a very happy birthday to Andy Samberg, who turns oh, 37. What? <laughs> he can play anywhere from a nerd to a rapper and Bart. Yes. This is Andy Sandberg, not to be confused with Adam Sandler. Oh, they're not the same? No, and it is not Adam Sandler's child either. Okay. Okay, but they were both on SNL, where he did a so, duet. Excuse yes. me, world. 
<laughs> where he did do a duet with Justin Timberlake called Dick in a Box. Oh. And you know, that won him a Creative Arts Emmy for Outstanding Original Music and the lyrics. Okay. Wow. Dick okay. in a box. Dick. Yes. And now I was I going through some of his Lonely songs. Island music because he has a band. That's how he started doing these music videos and stuff. And I found this little piece of heaven. You know how much I love when celebrities sing. This is true. Adam, people ask me two things about Karen Volpe <laughs> yeah. all the time. They say, tell me two fun facts about Karen Volpe. And I say, her life is a movie and she is the star. That's right. And number two, she loves when celebrities sing. I do That's love fantastic. it. It's good stuff. And so I went and I dug deep. And found this gem. Oh, my God. It made me so happy. It's Michael Bolton singing a little <gasps> something called Jack Sparrow with Lonely Island. Oh it's amazing. What is this? It's an Michael Adam's, Bolton? Yeah, he Michael comes Bolton. in. Yes! <laughs> he does the these riffs. should be set up that he had just watched the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Uh, yeah. And he decided to bring some sweet riffs to the song, and he's got a hook that's going to make them crazy. It's amazing. And this is the hook he brought in. I know what I'm falling to sleep to tonight. Now, needless to say, the rappers didn't expect that, so they're like, what is happening? This is weird. Why is he singing about Captain Jack Sparrow? And it just goes on and on because he keeps bringing up stuff from other big movies like um, Aaron Brockovich, and then he brings something up from... Um, this is brilliant. It's amazing. Yeah, he just keeps bringing up movies and like, why is he singing about that? All right, well, I think that wraps another movie showcast. Uh, together with the movie guys, individually we are... Guys. You can follow us on Twitter at the movie guys for daily jokes and links. Also, Facebook.com slash The Movie Guys, as well as iTunes, Vimeo, YouTube, Funny or Die, SoundCloud, Vine, Instagram, LinkedIn, all that shit. Thanks to Adam Rifkin. Yay! Thank you, guys. This was fun. Oh, Our to- first auteur. Oh, yeah. Alan, thanks to Alan Rafkin. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> Where can we find you on social media? Is it at Adam Rifkin? At Adam Rifkin. That's me on Twitter. RF. Cool. Anything else? Oh, a- I'm on Facebook. You can write me a message. You can, uh, you no, know. I might do that. Follow me. And find, trouble shoot, now. and find Shooting the Warwick some video on demand yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Please do. It's so crazy. Let me know what you so thought good. of it. <laughs> it's so awesome, good. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, of course, Karen and I are finishing up 9 to 5 this weekend. This weekend we close. So. Then Paul gets to shave that mustache off. There it goes. Digitalmindproductions.com, theboobaysisters.com. Big mm. show Labor Day weekend coming up for them as well. And uh, let's see. We got another show coming up next week. Oh, thanks to Steve Scholes for his writing yes. contributions oh, to the Scholes. show every week. And uh, thanks to Pat Peach. Of course, we owe everything Always. to him. Everything. Now, next week, we're back to wrap up the summer with We Are Your Friends and other stuff. I'm not sure what's getting wide release next week, but uh, if it opens, we'll be there to talk about it. And our show will come out next Friday. Normally, we put out a show every Thursday. Next week, we're putting out a show on Friday, August 28th. And we will see you then. Thanks again, Adam. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.